The Pro Act Know How. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Living and Working Abroad with Parik Sam. Getting ready for breakfast, things to do. We've got a difficult end to 2020. We're all going into lockdown throughout Europe. What things do we need to do to get ready for Brexit this time round? There's lots of things that need to be done, but some of the things are already sealed. So whatever news that we hear um, in the media is to do with a trade agreement which has impact on businesses working cross-border between the UK and EU, Um, but a lot of other factors are already established. But some of those negotiations within the trade agreement have a direct impact on families and individual expats living and working abroad. So that's what we're going to cover in this uh, vlog. We're going to cover things that you need to do before the end of December to make sure that your um, uh, Brexit it does not impact on you living and working abroad. So here we go. In the Withdrawal Treaty, EU citizens' rights have already been written in and and they've been secured. That means that any EU expat living and working abroad in the EU that's registered in that country before the end of December 2020 will retain the equivalent EU citizens' rights for the rest of their life. That includes all EU expats living in the UK and includes all UK expats living and working abroad in an EU country. But it's not enough to be living there. Um, EU expats can go to the UK and, and, and start work as an EU citizen, but there's no formal registration process. You have to register on the settlement scheme to be qualified to retain your rights for living and working abroad. Uh, Similarly, UK expats normally do have to register as a resident because the EU countries use ID schemes. You have to have a residency ID. That needs to be done before the end of December. With COVID, with all the restrictions, you need to get that done. Um, Any UK expat in the EU who's registered and resident before the end of December retains the equivalent EU citizens' rights for the rest of their life, if that's what they want. So it doesn't matter uh, for living abroad in your overseas property, whether the UK is in or out of the EU, but you have to be resident and registered. We had a colleague uh, recently in a, in a local EU hospital who, who, who had, um, uh, other expats in the ward with them had been living uh, in the EU for over 10 years and weren't resident with two months to go. The healthcare will stop. You have to take action. You have to take action. So um, the <clears throat> UK and EU citizens, resident rights and right to work carries on indefinitely uh, if you're resident before the end of uh, December. If you're not sure, contact us at productpartnership.com and, we, and we'll guide you on what action you need to take now because there's only six weeks left uh, to get this done. Um, any uh, UK expat that's registered in the EU before the end of December retains their rights 
under the reciprocal social insurance agreement and healthcare agreement existing within the EU. That means that uh, if they have an S1 through ill health or if they have an S1 through uh, retirement, um, then they will continue to have healthcare available in their country of residence, be that Portugal, Spain, France, uh, Germany, uh, Greece, Bulgaria, or Cyprus. So if you're, you're registered uh, as a resident in that country with an S1 and you register your S1 and you're a tax resident in that country, your, your medical cover will continue beyond Brexit. There's no change to that. Better still, if you're considering retiring and in my, maybe in a year or two, if you're registered as resident in your country in the EU before before the 31st of December, before the end of the transition period, your S1 will continue to work. So even if your retirement date, you've early retired and your retirement date is in five years time for state pension, when your S1 will be issued, that will still, um, that S1 will still come to you and it will still work as if you were an EU citizen living and working in the EU. So Brexit won't impact that as long as the EU expat in the UK or the UK expat in the in the EU is living and working abroad before and registered before the end of December. So that's a big point to retain those medical cover. Different countries have different medical schemes. The UK will leave the reciprocal agreement with, with the EU as a whole so things will be changed and agreed on a separate basis. Tax rules are not to do with the EU. So there's a reciprocal social insurance agreement that won't necessarily be continued uh, after the end of Brexit. So you have to assume at the moment that it's going to finish. And therefore, any uh, <clears throat> UK or EU expat uh, has to then qualify under the local rules. So if you uh, move to the EU and start working, um, and paying uh, social insurance, you can qualify for the healthcare system, you can qualify for benefits there. You might need to subscribe for a few years before you can gain benefits. Some systems are more generous than others. Some systems are universal, some are not, some are very limited. So there, there's some schemes that will automatically give you healthcare uh, access on day one, like the UK, like Portugal, like Spain. Other countries, you have to pay in or be qualified for a period of time. You need to be aware of that before you relocate. You may need private medical cover, you may need uh, travel insurance, uh, consider that. And if you want any help and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com. Uh, uh, but generally, if you're living and working abroad, you will get your healthcare access and potentially your social insurance benefits. Any UK expat, the day they become non-resident to the UK, they no longer qualify for the NHS treatment. If your S1 is registered abroad, then you can reciprocate back. The EHIC card will no longer work. The EHIC card will no longer work. So a UK expat with an S1 could potentially get a, 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 a EHIC card from their new country. That's up to that country to agree, but essentially, uh, that, that wouldn't work in the UK anyway. They, so the UK um, 
will have a, a different system. Now, they need to get clarification whether a British citizen who's an expat returns temporarily to the UK, whether they've got access to the NHS. Technically, you don't, and we're looking around for clarification on that. But this depends upon whether the UK extends reciprocal healthcare agreements with the EU as a group on a bilateral basis with individual countries. So the UK have already got a reciprocal agreement with Ireland, so expats can go backwards and forwards between Ireland and the UK, living and working without visa restrictions, as if, you know, in the EU, but it's nothing to do with the EU, it's to do with the uh, Ireland, U Great Britain uh, Act of, of 1949. In the same way as between Australia and New Zealand, and New Zealand uh, citizens, Australia citizens can move freely between the two countries for living and working without visas, without, without residence periods and permits. So uh, th th there is still that flexibility in the system, but there's also the, the new rules that come in. Tax is not the prerogative of uh, the EU. So any tax rules for business, any tax rules for individuals, any tax rules for pensions, don't change with Brexit, don't change with the transition period. So a 5% pension tax in Cyprus still applies. A 10% flat rate income tax in Bulgaria still applies. <clears throat> uh, the uh, Portugal's non-resident scheme uh, with flat rate taxes still applies. Um, so th there are lots of flexible options in the EU and around the world for UK expats to take advantage of if that suits their business so if you're a contractor and where you're based doesn't actually much matter, you can base your business abroad, which is effective for you, maybe even gives you some EU rights that you otherwise wouldn't have if your business was solely based in the UK and allows you to manage your affairs tax efficiently, much the same as the rich have done by uh, basing themselves in Monaco uh, <clears throat> for the last hundred years. So this is your opportunity to, to consider your tax situation. That doesn't change for your business. So it could be that you could still continue to operate a, a UK business uh, from a, a, tax, a personal tax residence in the EU. One thing that will change from the end of uh, December is that UK leaves the VAT. VAT is part of customs, so it's part of the trade deal, the customs union, and, and the, the customs and tariffs. It's all part of that, this is what VAT is. But the, the UK will no longer, although they'll still have VAT, it won't be part of the EU scheme. So reciprocal offsetting of, of, of invoices won't necessarily be applied. Um, uh, <coughs> British or European companies may have to pay the VAT up front rather than reclaim it later. And these will present uh, cash flow difficulties or, or challenges in the early days, although the UK have said with VAT <coughs> uh, changes that they'll give some concessions uh, and and uh, as well as on tariffs and customs and not apply them until the 1st of July 2021. So though the uh, transition period ends at the end of December for customs and tariffs, the, the need to fill out a customs form and submit it might not necessarily apply to EU goods for the first six months for UK businesses while they up speed to get everything uh, correct and into the new order. 
Um, the EU is about borderless trade. So that means you've got no customs declarations. But for every other country, when you have, when you buy something online from China or from America, you have a customs declaration. That will now apply to EU countries as well. So it, it, it's different, but it's not new. It's what operates under the World Trade Organization rules. So it's a bit different, but it, 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 it's the same world. The UK have already committed um, to operating under the World Trade Organization rules and that 87% of the imports into the UK will be um, a tariff, uh, tariff free. So they're not gonna, UK are not gonna apply tariffs to everybody unilaterally. Now, the, <clears throat> as far as the EU is concerned, if the UK is outside the EU with no trade agreement, then um, it, it um, automatically would apply tariffs to the UK unless the EU and the UK can agree a special um, temporary arrangement to give the UK a concession not to be charged tariffs by the EU. So the situation we've got at the end of this year is that tariffs won't be applied by the UK for 87% of their trade worldwide. Uh, if there's no deal, they could be applied by the EU unless a temporary transition arrangement is made through the World Trade Organization. Um, <clears throat> other countries around the world that trade through the World Trade Organization include Japan, China and America. The, the countries that are bigger than uh, France, Germany and uh, uh, the UK as trading companies uh, around the world. So uh, it, it, there's there will be some prices that may go up, but there will be other prices that go down. Don't forget that <clears throat> anything imported from the US effectively has a tariff applied by the EU. Same with uh, China. You will receive some packages from abroad and you end up having to pay some money to receive the package in, <clears throat> in the post office because it's come from China. That's a tariff. That's a customs tariff that you're paying. So those things um, might be introduced for EU goods as well. Um, and this is the disruption and the transition that needs to take place. Um, but for the UK, the customs uh, uh, declarations will need to be declared, but tariffs may well not be applied, certainly to 87% of goods imported into the UK. The UK is setting itself up as a free trade bastion <clears throat> and then for tax, it'll be about new bilateral uh, agreements on medical care and on uh, social insurance. So the UK has bilateral uh, social and, and uh, health care arrangements with countries around the world. The EU is one of the organisations it has an arrangement with, but the UK has arrangements with other countries like Canada, and the Caribbean islands already. So if the EU don't agree to work with the UK, and the UK have already said they want to maintain reciprocal social insurance and healthcare arrangements with the EU, but if the EU don't agree to that, after the 1st of January, but only after the end of the transition period, the UK is free to have uh, individual bilateral agreements, individual, um, uh, for healthcare and social insurance with individual EU countries. And similarly, the UK 
and I'm very aware I'm jumping about here, um, <clears throat> after the January, it can vary its VAT, VAT arrangement. So for example, in the EU, there's a minimum uh, threshold uh, by which every, um, there's a range of turnovers by which a company has to register for VAT and there's a minimum and a maximum VAT that, that, that can be applied. So the minimum VAT rate that can be applied is 15%. Why? The VAT money is the money that goes to Brussels to be uh, then sent out on grant and uh, in, in, in infrastructure schemes around the EU. Um, this is where the UK will save a lot of money and from January next year can come up with all the infrastructure changes and support for COVID because the VAT money will stop flowing to the EU and will just be within the, the British government to go to Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and the regions around England. So that's the big change that's going to happen. And that, um, but that will have some consequences on a case by case basis, depending on what type of trade you're doing and where you're doing it. So VAT rules across border will change. Uh, they'll still look the same in the UK but uh, it'll be a different scheme. And the UK, for example, has got the potential to reduce the standard rate of VAT down from 19 below 15%. So if they wanted to reduce VAT to 5% for next year, they could do that as a way of stimulating business uh, um, in the next year. Or the government could keep the VAT rate high and then use those funds to reinvest back in, in Britain rather than in the rest of the Europe. So those VAT rules are changing, so that <clears throat> understanding what your role is and that you might need to pay your full invoice, including the VAT, up front um, is a factor that will change. There might be some concessions in that first six months, but you might need to uh, uh, be prepared for that. If you need an EU base, that could work very well. So a Cyprus holding uh, company uh, could charge you 0% tax on your worldwide income. It's similar to um, a, an individual based in, in, in Portugal. So you, you can have your business based in Cyprus and your tax person anywhere else in the, in the EU um, and, and avoid any liability to tax on worldwide income. So UK expats could be working in, uh, could, be, could even become a tax person in Cyprus with a Cyprus holding company that's got 0% tax on worldwide income and then they, they, they can move around to create the different uh, structures and entities that they're doing um, uh, around, around, around Europe and around the world, uh, but only paying uh, taxes, um, <clears throat> uh, not paying any Cyprus taxes on that income. So if you've got a, a, a your holding company is in Cyprus, it's 0% corporation tax. Um, I wouldn't stop a local tax arising, um, but you know the business will be based in Cyprus therefore this is how you would avoid a, a large amount of tax 0% dividends would be another example as opposed to whatever the rate is 25% in Germany 32% in the UK so th there's lots of options that you've got uh, to be flexible but they don't <clears throat> they've existed before Brexit and then exist afterwards um, so that's some very detailed stuff that come really, really deep there for businesses and, and the changes that they need to consider. And if you need any information on that, contact us at productpartnership.com. We've got a, a fantastic retainers service where uh, 
uh, our retained clients get access to online professional service from advisors and consultants with free reviews online where they can get answers to their questions to help them through the Brexit and relocation and living and working abroad for tax returns, visas, healthcare, medical things. If you want to know more about our retainer service, go to our website at ProPartnership.com, sign up and from £30 a month you can access to direct information all the time. Contact us. A couple of other things for personal individuals that you need to consider. We've already mentioned healthcare. If you've got an S1, <clears throat> make sure it's registered in your country. If it's not registered, you may not have your medical cover continued. Make sure your residency is secured in that country before the end of December. If it's not, you may lose out on EU citizens' rights. They will stop at the end of December. But once you're registered, you've got those for the rest of your life. So even if full retirement is in five years' time, the fact that you're already registered uh, with your connection, with your overseas property in Portugal, in Spain, in France, means that you can move on, retire, get the S1, get the healthcare, and live and work abroad in, indefinitely. Uh, you can still set up a business, there's no restrictions on that. But as an individual, if you are living abroad, <clears throat> in the EU, special rules, you don't need to change your driving license if you move countries. Um, so, you should, um, but when you're outside the EU, you have to do that. International driving license and permits apply, and uh, that would mean that if you're um, an EU citizen, a UK expat in the EU, before uh, the end of the transition period in December, can change a driving license automatically for a local one without any additional testing. After, within six months, you would need to change your driving license and that may well involve taking a new test and maybe even licensing skills. Anybody looks at how complicated the UK driving uh, test is now with the theory and, and the online and the understanding of English, as well as doing the road test, it, it, it could be quite a nightmare for anybody uh, just to carry on driving. So get your driving license changed if you're living and working in the EU or the UK as an expat, get your driving license changed before the end of December. Um, have you got a passport? Passports become more relevant now. So EU citizens have free movement. So if you've got residency and you're registered on an initial basis or permanent citizen, that, that's fine because that will still get you in and out of the country visa free, but only between your country of residence and the UK. So a Spanish uh, residence permit allows you free visa travel between Spain and the UK, even after Brexit, but not to the rest of the EU. Uh, now, UK has got visa-free travel to many countries around the world, but you, your passport becomes more relevant. You need an up-to-date passport. You need to have at least six months running on your passport. So if your passport is up for renewal in the early part of next year, especially with the COVID world that we live in, you need to consider getting that renewed now. Uh, you, you may not be allowed into a country if your passport hasn't got six months to run. The reason for that is that under international law, you're allowed into a country for up to three months for short-term working or, or a holiday stay, <clears throat> but you're expected to leave after that three months or register as a local resident. So somebody coming to the EU, say coming to Cyprus, 
after Brexit date, if you want to stay for six months, in theory, after three months, you have to uh, register with the local residents. Now in America, how people do this is that they have to apply for a green card and sometimes they, they don't do that. So literally people could be living an expat lifestyle in Florida, but have to leave <clears throat> and go on a holiday once every three months to exit and re-entry because they haven't got their residency permit up to date. And this could be the scenario that uh, the expats could carry on without the local residency rights, without the local healthcare rights, that you could spend uh, three months at a time. <clears throat> but it, that's three months within a six month period. So if you, you, you plan on being a bit of a nomad and having three months one country, three months another, three months another, that, that, that would work. But just bear in mind, you, you're gonna need your medical cover to move around those different countries and your passport will always need to have six months to run on that, so get you get your passport updated. Um, um, all these issues about driving license, medical cover, uh, tax registration, um, visas, and residency. Again, we cover on our retainer service uh, for families. Uh, so our retainer service has got experts and advisors and consultants for business and families living and working abroad. And from £30 a month, uh, you, you, you get access to online uh, content uh, and online advisors, free reviews and answers to your questions to get you through the next tax return, the next Brexit hurdle, uh, the next residency visa, the next healthcare issue. Thanks for listening to this webinar. Uh, we're very excited about to offer you, our expat clients, our retainer services to cover a broad range of topics for our clients living and working abroad, uh, be it family and business uh, in an EU country or around the world. Uh, we can give you the help and advice that you need uh, for driving licenses, visas, medical cover, um, and your tax regime and your social insurance to protect your family and business living and working abroad across borders and down generations. Look forward to hearing from you. Go along to our website, sign up to our retainer and get access to a whole wealth of experience from around the world. And we look forward to seeing you next time. The ProAct Know-How, brought to you by ProAct.